Welcome to the Growing Together Podcast. I'm Kaylin. And I'm Kyra. And we're here to walk with you through life, faith, relationships, and money. In today's episode, we're going to be sharing the story and the lessons learned from one of the darkest times in our life, a time when we were figuring life out as newlyweds and struggling to set healthy boundaries with people outside of our new union. The Bible says in Genesis 2.24 that a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. But what does this really look like in modern culture? How do we respond when some relationships don't want to get left behind? In today's episode, we'll be unpacking the answer to these questions and finally finding freedom from toxic people. If you enjoyed today's episode, Kyra and I highly recommend you check out our brand new book, This Kind of Love. We're confident that the stories of hurt and confusion and the redemption and clarity that God offered will be a breakthrough moment for thousands of singles, new relationships, and other young adults struggling to find freedom and purpose in life. Pre-order This Kind of Love before July 13th, 2021, or if that date is passed, you can purchase it wherever books are sold. We have a game-changing episode in store for you this week. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. So we have a pretty hot topic to talk about today. This is a subject that me and Kaylin both have lots of experience with. So we're going to be sharing some stories and just talking about it. Some of the things we're going to be touching on, one, recognizing toxic and abusive relationships or unhealthy relationships. There is a lot of variance in all of them. Not every toxic situation means that it's a toxic person. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We're also going to be talking about setting boundaries and how to actually get out of an unhealthy relationship. And then three, how to forgive when there is no closure. Some people think that closure always correlates with an apology. And I would say typically toxic people or unhealthy people, abusive people are not sorry. So how do we move on when there's no apology or you feel like there's no closure? Wow. So yeah, it looks like we have a lot to jump into. And I'm just going to tee it off by asking you one of these super complicated questions. (laughs) I want to know, in your opinion, Kyra, What do you think a toxic relationship looks like? And do you think that toxic relationships are always abusive? Hmm. Okay, well, first I'll jump into, do I think toxic relationships are always abusive? I would like to say no, but I mean, I haven't been in every single circumstance, but then I also want to say yes, because sometimes the action that is done against you might not always look abusive or necessarily be abusive, but sometimes the reaction that the abuser has or the person who's trying to manipulate you has can actually be abusive, even if it's not physical, even emotional, mentally, spiritually. So I want to lean towards Typically, I would say that any toxic behavior or relationship you have is most likely abusive in some kind of way. And what that can look like, I mean, for myself, I would say that I've had kind of two experiences with abusive or unhealthy behavior. One, as a child, I would say that it's really easy to manipulate a child because they're so vulnerable and so young and just don't know. And for me, that looked like control, really. And that person just wanted me to be very dependent on them, wanted me to rely solely on them. And, you know, that's really easy to do when you're a child because you already need other adults to do everything for you, especially when that manipulation starts at childhood. It's really easy to just carry on into your adult life. And I would also say that as a child and even as an adult, honestly, 
that abuser or unhealthy relationship, they want you to be the person that they need you to be. They're like a leech, basically. They just want to suck you dry and use you for everything you're good for. And they actually just want you to be the person that they need you to be versus the person that God wants you to be or even the person that you're going to flourish the best as. And as an adult, I would say that being around somebody who's toxic, I would mostly just feel kind of unsafe or unsettled. But couldn't really put my finger on exactly what it was that was making me feel this way. And it's really strange because typically somebody who's abusive or you're in some kind of relationship with, you're in a relationship with them. So they almost feel like a friend to you or they actually are a friend to you or you're in a relationship with them, whether that be romantic or just a friendship. It's weird feeling like, oh, I kind of feel unsettled or unsafe around you because you're my, but you're my friend and I should feel comfortable around you, but, right. but you don't feel that way. Another thing I would say as an adult is you just have a lack of privacy because they want to know everything going on in your life. One, because they don't want you to have any other healthy relationships and they just want you for themselves, which especially as a child is why they kind of groom you to be the person that they need you to be. They don't want to share you with anybody else. And they definitely don't want to risk another healthy person coming into your life and disrupting what they have built and practiced building for themselves. And so lack of privacy, I would say, is a main thing. I didn't even think about that. Especially sharing things that you don't even want to share but you kind of just do because you don't want to deal with the emotional backlash that's going to fall upon you if you don't do what they want you to do and that's where those feelings of feeling unsafe and unsettled but yes. it's like weird because it's, it's your friend or it's your family or it's yeah. somebody that you should trust but it's almost like you kind of have to trust them because they have all of your bad right. news they have all of your secrets and Man, that's, exactly. That's and they'll flip it around on you. Another thing I would say is you feel like you have to walk on eggshells around them. You're scared of upsetting them or doing anything wrong because your basic sole purpose at this point is to make them happy and fulfill them and just be there for whatever they have to do to you. Dang. Honestly, a really hard topic to talk about and also something really hard to get out of, which is why we're going to talk about um, actually how to get out of a relationship like that in just a few minutes. So do you have any personal stories um, that you'd be willing to share? where you've seen some of these either behaviors exhibited in your life or maybe somebody that um, actually like was toxic that you had to get rid of? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As a matter of fact, I do. (laughs) I actually have quite a few experiences with, uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them toxic people, but maybe toxic behaviors or unhealthy behaviors that I couldn't put my finger on back then, but now I definitely can. Start Um, with me. (laughs) <laughs> um uh, yeah you that oh, me? I mean, yeah you too yeah me too exactly i mean i think that we all can have toxic behaviors but that doesn't mean you're a toxic person or an unhealthy person me deflecting that and throwing it on you is like textbook literally toxic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i would say probably my main um my main encounter as an adult would probably be in the form of gaslighting Mm. And I literally actually watched a film today called Gaslight, which is like where it actually originated from in 1944. Have you ever watched it? I've I've never watched it, but I remember the day we both figured out what that meant. It was as if a light bulb went off. Yes, it was literally like we would use the term all the time, like don't gaslight me. Yeah, but we used it wrong. I thought it had something to do with cars. And I remember using it one day like with my dad. And I was just like, yeah, this person don't like, don't gaslight me thinking mm-hmm. that it was just like, oh, don't like scam me or don't, you know, something like that. Yes. And he's just like, gaslight, what does that mean? And I was just like, oh, uh. yeah, um, <laughs> something like, um, yeah, da, 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 da. Yeah. No, but okay. Actually in the actual film, I mean, we have to probably watch it together. It's only like an hour and a half. I watched it on YouTube, but basically 
there's this husband and wife and he is gaslighting her by there's like multiple scenarios but the main one is they live in a house and the house is powered by gas and so at night he would say okay i'm going out by and he would actually go up to the attic and she would be in the room or whatever and the light would start flickering and in the house like that you knew that if that light starts flickering then that means somebody else is in another room turning on the light Mm. and so the light would be flickering and she's like oh my gosh, come like, come help me because somebody's like in the house. Like, why is the light flickering? And they had like two maids or something or like house. I don't know. What is that kind of person that would like clean your house or like a butler or like, but yeah, help. Yeah. The help basically. So then she would call her in and be like, oh my gosh, like who's turning on lights. And she would say like, nobody's here. It's just me and you. But really her husband would say, I'm going out, but he would really go up to the attic and be turning on lights to make the lights flicker and she thought that she was literally going mad he would come home and like she she's like oh my gosh the lights was he doing it intentionally yes he's gaslighting her that's literally he was intentionally trying to make her go crazy yeah he wasn't in the attic doing anything he was in the attic turning on the light to make the lights flicker inside the house okay so he was she thought he was gone away got you got you and then there was also other scenarios where like she saw she said that she saw a letter on his desk but she he was like no you dreamed it and you you're always dreaming things he would take pictures off of the wall and be like what'd you do with the picture frame again and she'd be like i haven't done anything i've been well and he was actually the one taking the picture frame off the wall and then he would say get up right now and go find it go look for it and she would have to go search for it thinking that she was literally going mad, but it was really because he wanted like rubies or something from her. So basically like we've all been getting gaslit our entire life when we have that friend that steals something from us and then helps us try and go find that thing that they stole. Exactly, yes. Wow, so, wow. But I just thought that was interesting because the film was literally called Gaslight. I feel like there's a lot more like subtle ways that gaslighting happens too, like um, not wanting to lose an argument or, you know, never being able to admit that you're wrong. So you're willing to go to any extent that you possibly can in order to make that person feel like they're going crazy just because you and your pride don't want to admit that you're wrong. Yes. And you literally try to like convince the other person that their reality is not actually their reality. It's actually like pretty profound. The fact that um, I, I, I did this a lot and I thought that it was just like a tactic um, in debate where um, you just want to win this argument, especially like with my past and being in forensics and speech and debate. You know, I'm just I'm I'm used to trying to win arguments, but as an adult, I'm realizing that it's not about winning; it's about reaching an understanding. And mm-hmm. using manipulative tactics like that is just not okay. But I'm glad that you shared that story because now I don't have to watch the movie, so you saved me <laughs> an hour and a half. But I also understand what gaslighting actually is and how subtle it yeah. can creep into our lives. And then, yeah, especially in the movie too. Like as it goes on, it's like, okay, at one point it's just scenarios in their house, but then he actually takes it out of the house to other people to make, to like, to convince them that she's actually gone mad and like literally tries to like convince the world at that point that she's actually gone mad. And you see that actually in a lot of cases nowadays where it starts off in the home, but then somebody takes it outside of the home. Typically the abuser mm-hmm. will go and tell friends they're like, Oh, please pray for her or help her because you know, she's just kind of losing her mind and wow. when all along. She's not. That's way more powerful too, because typically if it's just between you and that person, like, yeah, you know, one person can be super effective and they can make you feel like you're going crazy. But if I can rally my entire community, community group or church around this false narrative that you're going crazy or that you're, you know, some type of way, then I'm probably going to be much more likely to be successful. And I'm just trying to think about how often that happens, either in the workplace or like in the church or even within groups of friends. Like mm-hmm. we've all grown up and had that mean uh, girl group of friends, that mean guy group of friends. And 
you know, they were probably obviously like we know now that we're older, they were mean, but you know, the things that they were probably making you feel insecure about, like they're probably gaslighting you. Like, no, there's nothing ever wrong with you. It's literally just them. Yeah. And there's so many steps to it too. Like you have just like toxic behavior or unhealthy behavior, but sometimes that behavior is in an actual toxic or unhealthy person, Mm -hmm. which is far more dangerous. I feel like there's just so many like just ugly characteristics that go along with people like that. Like like almost as if they're always they're just always in something mm-hmm. almost like busybodies. Mm-hmm. yeah i would say that specifically too in my case i always like anytime i would talk to them i would just feel so drained afterwards just emotionally fried like i just need to go take a nap or i would be like emotionally distraught based off like the reality i was being sucked into but i didn't even want to be a part of so i'm crying over other people's situations that they're pulling me into and it's literally like toxic people always have drama and chaos that they want to invite you into and they actually almost don't even give you a choice like every time you talk to them it's always some drama or chaotic story they want you to be a part of and i feel like toxic people just love to hate oh they'll pull you into it and it's like even even as they approach you like they won't even say like hey do you want to talk about this it's almost like they approach you and they start at the store like you start with the mess you have no time you're not asking like how's my day or what's going on or if you do it's almost as if you're just asking that so we can get to the message you want to bring into my life and that's toxic (laughs) but i think that it's really important to distinguish between toxic behaviors and toxic people as someone who's been called a toxic person and you know i kind of feel like i was getting gaslit i'm using that right right Mm -hmm, yeah (laughs) i feel like i was getting gaslit because i'm just like okay well i don't really intend to be a toxic person but i also realize i'm not a perfect person and i'm a type of person that has hurt people and i'm pretty sure i will hurt people in the future but that's how we all are but to focus on me i really did a deep dive to understand okay what are the differences How, how can you know whether or not you're dealing with a toxic behavior or a toxic person. Everyone has these behaviors that are toxic sometimes. And some people have them more than others. And there are special people, you special little snowflakes out there, that have chosen to live in a pattern of unhealthy and hurtful behavior. And you, special people, are the people I would call a toxic person. So I have a story I'd like to share of a time in my relationship with Kyra where I was exhibiting, some would say, some toxic behaviors. Kyra and I, we started dating when we were super young. And at that time, I was also super immature and dealing with a lot of my own demons. It's really easy to not want to work on yourself when you find a project in someone else. And after hearing so much of what Kyra had gone through when she was younger and just even the things that I saw um, at that age we were dating, I quickly realized that there was some manipulative things that were happening to Kyra. And I was actually worried that those manipulative things and the traits that I had saw had actually been going on for most of her life. Over time, I figured out that that was actually true through Kyra telling me. And we worked through and came to the conclusion that uh, it had been happening for pretty much her entire life. And as a result, it kind of stunted her growth in a lot of ways. And, And being her boyfriend at the time and just being someone who really just wanted to help I'm like, okay, cool. Like I see that these are some areas that you can grow in. So let me step in and try and help. The problem was I already kind of had like this. um, I mean, some people would say it's like toxic masculinity, but I kind of had this controlling mindset where I just, I, I really just wanted to help, but I wanted to help in my way and I wanted to do it my way. So when it came to Kyra, it was this young, um, kind of naive, innocent girl 
whose growth had been stunted. I mean, there's a certain things that girls in high school knew about or were doing that Kyra had never even thought about, it seemed like. And I felt like it was my prerogative to help her through this. But in doing so, it was almost as if I was trying to parent her. And the truth is, especially for that time, Kyra didn't need another parent. And it's really weird that I was even trying to do that. She didn't need anyone else in her life controlling her. What she really needed was someone to come alongside her as she was going through these things um, when we were dating. And then especially in our young marriage, as we're trying to figure out life, she just needed a husband to stand with her, to support her as she figured out and did the tough work of finding herself after realizing she had been manipulated for most of her life. So that's something that we even in the past five years had had walked through together. But it's been it was more than five years. I mean, it was probably most of the time while we were dating and then into our early first year of marriage where I was being overly controlling, not abusive, not physically. I wouldn't say I was emotionally abusive, but I was being controlling in a way that was toxic towards you. And some of you guys may, if you can admit it, you you might say that, hey, I may be trying to parent my girlfriend or I may be trying to parent my boyfriend. I may be being overly controlling over them because I want them to be how I want them to be instead of walking with them. There are some other toxic behaviors I'm going to point out right now that may resonate with you a little bit more. So specifically for men, these are some classic definitions of toxic masculinity, but it's the type of people and type of personality type that is extremely self-reliant. I mean, they don't want nobody to help them do nothing. They don't need no help. They're never asking for help. But the problem is that causes people to disassociate and it pushes people away from them because they never need help. They never formulate the type of relationships that would uh, be helpful for them. So when it comes to being toxic or needing therapy, they're the last people that are going to want to ask for it because they don't they don't even think that they need help anyway. They're able to do everything by themselves. They never admit this, but that leads to a lot of shame internally. When they begin to disassociate, like we said, they don't have any friends. They don't want to be talking to nobody about any of their feelings because a lot of the feelings that they're having would go against this image that they're trying to portray to people. A lot of this probably isn't their fault. A lot of it is probably how they were raised. So we hear the common phrase uh, that men don't cry. So as a result, little boys grow up and they become men who can't express their emotions. But that causes them to disassociate. It causes them to deal with the shame that they feel internally and never be able to express that. And that restraint of emotions can lead to toxic behaviors. I mean, it's got to come out some way. What's interesting, though, is even people who have these toxic behaviors can still express emotions. But unfortunately, it comes usually in pride and anger because in their mind, these are the only acceptable emotions that they can portray especially with men. I mean, men don't want to be seen as weak. They don't want to be seen as effeminate. They don't want to be seen as doing anything or being associated with anything that can be looked at as feminine. So when you have this pride, you have this machismo, you can walk around, you have it all together. And there are other ones like I have noted down the extreme aspiration of physical, sexual, and intellectual dominance. But I think I'll just leave it there. I mean, there's I got like two other ones, but I think you guys get the point. Typically, what's associated with toxic behavior is dominance, is control. And People can have toxic behaviors, but not necessarily be a toxic person. In any given situation, you can have a toxic response that may hurt someone, but it just really depends on what you do. And that's what really differentiates people between um, whether you have toxic behaviors and whether you are a toxic person. Someone who has toxic behaviors can admit when they're wrong, but toxic people, literally, they resent the truth. Toxic people eat, sleep, and wake up thinking about their toxic behaviors. 
All the things that we just described, they literally live in it. They wallow in it. They roll around in it. And they just love, like Kyra was saying, they love to be that type of person. They love to hate. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're wondering how you can identify a toxic person, I think that Gary Thomas, he's the author of this book called When to Walk Away that was so helpful in constructing this episode. He has six helpful questions to ask yourself help identify unhealthy behaviors and toxic people. The first is, do you need to recover after spending time with them? Boy, oh boy. Have y'all ever had a conversation with somebody and literally like one hour, two hours, three hours later, you go home and you just have to sit there and just regroup? Some people are just emotionally exhausting. Some people just talk a lot. Some people just have loud personalities, which to an introvert can be exhausting. That's toxic. Well, no, that's not. That's (laughs) actually not. But it's one thing when somebody's always coming to you with a problem or chaos or drama and they're never the ones wrong they're never the ones doing anything wrong they're never the ones at fault and it's just every time like oh my gosh this person did something to me this person did something to me this is my situation going on Mm -hmm. it's just like okay that's enough of that and that leads into the second question second question is does your relationship with them destroy your peace your strength your joy or your hope Mm -hmm. it's a good one Third one, do they interfere with your ability to participate in other healthy relationships? Are they withholding you from people that you need to be around that you know you could grow with if you're around more? Are they trying to poison the well and make it seem like all the healthy relationships that you have, the actual healthy relationships that you have are actually unhealthy? Are they gaslighting you to believe that just so that they can control you and your life and keep you away from them? The fourth question, do they exhibit a murderous spirit? Kyra, what's a murderous spirit? Somebody that just wants to get rid of all good things, all happy things, all joyful things that I mean, just people that love to hate, like all they do is think about hating other people, hating other things, the things wrong with other people and how they can gain even more control. I mean, control is literally like the thief of joy because all that person is focused on is getting you to submit to their authority. And we should not be submitting to anybody's authority on this earth. We should be submitting to God's authority. Right. The fifth, do you feel minimized by them? Do you have to play small around them? Do they make you play small? As soon as you start doing anything great around them, do they try and downplay it? And the last one, do they come alive when exhibiting rage, anger, slander, lying, or filthy language? That, that is a huge red flag. I feel like also sometimes in friendships, it's like funny or cool to talk about how, you know, some, your friend is angry at somebody or is like mad at them or wants to do something hurtful to them. And like as a friend, you can almost view it as like funny or kind of just brush it off. But I would say that is a huge red flag and something that can go unnoticed easily, especially in a friend or somebody who's close to you, because you almost believe it's as if they can never do something like that. But toxic people and abusive people are able to do things that a healthy person would never do. I'm going to ask you guys something. I want you to go ahead and pause and really ponder this after I say it. Will this person in your life still like you if they can't control you? Really quickly, want to thank today's podcast sponsor, BetterHelp. It actually ties in perfectly with today's episode where we're talking about unhealthy behaviors because those toxic or unhealthy relationships and behavior will directly interfere with your happiness and prevent you from achieving your goals. If this is true for you, you should definitely check out BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. And it is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is actual professional counseling done securely online. 
There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. And the service is also available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You will get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is also available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So go visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily and visit betterhelp.com growing. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. And you guys, our Growing Together listeners can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash growing. And I know depending on how you answer that question, you could be a little freaked out or kind of like unsure of what to even do. So we're going to get into setting boundaries and how to get out of an unhealthy relationship. But I want to share my own encounter and share my own story of somebody who was toxic in my life. And many of you guys know mine and Kaylin's kind of encounter with this specific one where Kaylin was just kind of being drugged through the mud, being called manipulative, being abusive, whether that be physical or mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And it's important to really navigate really well when people are actually toxic versus when they aren't. In my specific scenario, I mean, I literally was being gaslit to where I was actually questioning my reality and coming to Galen, please, am I actually losing my mind right now? Or is this really happening? Because it really does work. I mean, you really start to question your actual reality. And it really is scary because you're thinking, how do I get away from this person? Like, what are my next moves? Especially when it's somebody you have a very tight relationship with or somebody you've known your entire life, anybody you have like any kind of emotional bond to, it's gonna be really hard to figure out how to navigate that. And especially if they're abusive or you kind of fear for your life or your well-being, that's a whole other situation. But in mine, I actually had to take a step back because one, this toxic person is telling me all these things about my now husband where I'm tied to him. I'm literally married legally and under God. So as I'm being told these things about my life, I really had to take a step back and think, okay, where do I go from here? I need to navigate this really well and actually sit down with my thoughts and feelings and emotions about this whole situation and make a decision for myself. And so I think that's where the importance of navigating whether people are actually toxic versus when they aren't. And I think there's this huge misconception where it's kind of almost like this culture of whatever your family says is right. Whatever your family says goes. If your family meets your boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse and they have any kind of red flags or ill feelings towards them, it's like society tells you, you need to cut them off. Your family kind of has the final say in who you need to be with and who is good for you, but that's not always true. This unwavering loyalty to whatever mom and dad or sister and brother say. And I would say in my scenario specifically, I mean, we were married really young. I was only 19. Coming from a childhood past of being manipulated and already kind of being gaslit to now actually the whole world telling me that, you know, your husband actually is abusive and a liar and he actually is manipulating you. It was actually very scary and it's very dangerous to have somebody so young, I feel like questioning their reality because 
they make you think you need to go with your family because they know you best. And that's not always true. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And in our early marriage, I also had to deal with that with family. I mean, although albeit under different circumstances, this idea of leaving and cleaving is one that every young marriage and every early marriage is going to have to deal with. Now, sometimes, you know, the in-laws and families can be really good at releasing their kids or their brother or their sister. Other times they're going to put up a fight. Thing is, though, within that fight, what side do you and your spouse line up on? Are you guys fighting together as a unit or are you going back to your bloodline? Are you going back and believing that whole phrase of blood is thicker than water? Yeah. And at the point of our cutoff, I would say is I already had a family. We already had Carter. If I was unwilling to walk away, that might, that means my family was not able to walk away either. And they were going to you guys actually, you guys were literally going to suffer because of something that I was unable to walk away from. If you're not willing to walk away, you have to measure out what is going to be worth it or not. Because in a toxic relationship or abusive relationship, you are most likely never going to walk away unscathed. I know some of like the, they call it like PTSD you have from leaving a toxic relationship or abusive relationship. And I'll just touch on some of mine, like crying over everything. I was, I was very, very emotional after the like cutting off cold Turkey of these relationships. It was very hard for me because I was basically trained to rely upon other people and I could not rely upon myself for anything. I would apologize over every single thing, just even things that I didn't do wrong. I was just always saying, sorry. I would feel literally like an idiot. I would feel so dumb. Like I could not make any decision for myself. I remember even when I would try to read new books or learn about new things, I felt like I had to hide it. I, f- I felt like I could not grow. It was almost embarrassing to me to want to do better or to want to know how to do better. That was something I even struggled with even a year ago. I would be so embarrassed to try to learn new things or read new books. I felt like I couldn't trust myself to make decisions without another person corroborating that, being overwhelmed in social settings, being super hard on myself, feeling like I couldn't do anything right. Those are just some of the things that happen from being in a toxic, abusive relationship. If I wouldn't have walked away then, who knows how much longer that list would have been. So you guys can imagine me hearing that as a husband. It, it literally infuriates me. because It's so unfair that my wife should have to feel that way. And it's so unfair that my wife has been feeling that way for so long. So this is why some people in this world may have an ought with it. But at the time that a lot of this stuff was going on, I felt like it was my job. It was my prerogative. It was a responsibility and a role that I needed to take on as a husband to set up the boundaries for the relationships and the interactions of our relationships with other people going forward. It's this idea of if you don't respect my wife, if you can't have a healthy relationship with my life, then we can't have a relationship. That doesn't just mean the relationship that you have with my wife. That means the relationship you have with me, the relationship you have with us, the relationship you have with our kids. Like we're not coming around. We're not doing anything with you because you can't respect us. Mm -hmm. So if you hurt her, you're hurting me. If you hurt her, you're hurting their mom. And we don't, we don't play that. And typically in abusive relationships where there's almost like this dopamine hit that you get from your abuser. So it's like this cycle. And I've noticed that actually a lot of counselors and therapists recommend cutting off abusive or toxic people, just cold turkey. I mean, of course you can give them an explanation, but just like stating it, okay, this is the decision I'm making for myself. I really don't care what you have to to say or what you think because a manipulative person or abusive person will always try to spin it around back on you or use manipulative tactics and so it's almost better to just cut them off cold turkey and even cutting off anybody else who's in communication with them wow i I wasn't expecting that 
it, it's pretty harsh, but I actually, uh, I mean, I would say in my scenario, I really did fight for the relationship and I really did put it all out there. There was a lot of explanations. There was a lot of negotiation, but I just found with the negotiation, it doesn't really work because a manipulative person is actually really good at being manipulative. It's literally what they do. And one of the ways they actually try to do it is by rejection. If your abuser is somebody who's gotten you to be so dependent on them, they want to reject you because it actually makes you feel unworthy when all you want is to feel needed your abuser does this manipulative thing where they make you feel very loved and like just very warm and cozy and you can go to them for anything i mean they know your deepest darkest secrets they're the, your closest friend because they've had you cut off everybody else in your life and they use this re rejection to make you feel unwanted and then they come and try to cozy up to you and they say oh sorry i'm so sorry you just come back to me and of course you come crawling back because it's just this cycle of abuse so I wanted to spend some time and kind of sit in that statement that you said, where you said that you would cut off the abuser, but also anybody that's associated with them. Is that kind of rooted in this idea of if you're complicit with the abuse that this toxic person is uh, bestowing on me, then I can't even be associated with you because you're complicit with it. So it's not, it's not saying like, okay, just because you're around and you're still around them, you're just as bad as they are. But if you're allowing that type of behavior in your life, that type of negativity, that type of gossip could possibly jump onto you. And I don't want anybody in my life that is uh, being subjected to that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, that, but also whenever you're trying to cut somebody off and you're trying to set boundaries, sometimes the other people around that toxic person will then try to get information out of you to share with the abuser mm, or toxic wow. person. Also, another huge problem is that whenever you do set boundaries with the toxic person, you are not allowing them to cross those boundaries. You are not allowing them anymore to manipulate you or use you for their own good. That's It's just not happening anymore. And so when other people enable that manipulative behavior or toxic behavior, they're literally saying, okay, I'm co-signing what this person is doing to you either by defending them looking the other way kind of explaining it away blaming other people or using that person's situation to kind of make it seem like what they're doing is not that big of a deal and all of it is crossing a boundary it just feels like life is too short to be to be dealing with toxic people yes and, and also not to mention the bible literally says to guard your heart right and jesus walked away from people plenty of times yeah. in the new testament i really love the quote that gary thomas says in his book he says that Walking away from unhealthy relationships is the best way to walk towards the healthy ones. Mm -hmm. And like I was saying, I mean, life's too short to be allowing these type of people in our life to be bringing us down, to be bringing us down into their mess, to be getting us involved in slander and gossip. That's just not fruitful. That's yeah. not the life that we're called to. And they literally will find a way to capture your entire life. I mean, before you know it, your entire world revolves around them and you don't even have time for other healthy relationships in your life because you're so captured into their world and you're just so emotionally drained and strained and distraught. For any of you guys who are out there and this is kind of hitting, I just want to encourage you guys and let you know that walking away, it's not failing. It's not you giving up on people. Walking away is protecting yourself and not settling for treatment that you don't deserve. But I can say for some of you guys that are ready to take that leap and are ready to put people in their proper place and to establish these boundaries that will help you know when to say no, not accept the type of behaviors that people are trying to use to take advantage of you. It's not, it's not going to be easy. You probably, I mean, kind of like Kyra, you won't even believe it's possible. Some of these relationships are literally 
blood. Some of these relationships are friends that you've had since kindergarten. You've been friends for 20 years. You just can't imagine your life without them. And in cases like that, I want you to know that it is possible to cut these people off. And it's the most profitable thing that you could probably do in your life. When you get rid of this baggage, when you get rid of this dark cloud that is following you around and controlling you, your life just seems to open up. It's like taking off that heavy backpack after walking home from school. You'll be able to live again. You'll be able to breathe again. You'll be able to think and dream again without your thoughts and your dreams and your aspirations and your passions being crushed and being made small. And even if you need to lean on the one or the many other healthy relationships that you have in your life to get through this time period of cutting off this toxic person, then do it. I promise you, there are going to be people like Kyra was for me and like I was for Kyra in these tough periods of life that will come alongside you and help you walk through it. They'll help you make sense of the confusion that the gaslighting has polluted your mind with. They won't do it in a controlling way. They won't do it in a way where they're saying, hey, you're, you're being this way and I want you to act like this. I want you to think like this. I want you to do this. Hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. They'll go at your pace. They'll go when you're ready because healthy people don't try to control other people. Toxic people want control. You're not, you're not crazy. You're just being gaslit, guys. What you think is happening is actually happening. It's not you, it's them. And I also just wanted to say one last thing to this point is I just want people to make sure they're not out there justifying emotional abuse. Some people will justify emotional abuse because it doesn't seem as bad as physical abuse. They think, oh, it could be worse. It's not really that big of a deal. But the reality is all abuse is sinful. Right. All abuse is wrong. Even as you try and walk away, toxic people won't let you leave peacefully. Yeah. I mean, they will hate you. They will lie. They will slander just to try and take control of your life again. But I would probably say that my biggest piece of advice is when you do decide to walk away, one cold turkey is probably the best way. Or if you do want to offer an explanation, of course you can, but it's really not up for discussion. And two, you cannot be bothered by the unhealthy reaction that that unhealthy person is going to have when you finally decide to make a healthy decision for yourself. Yeah, that's a good point. So you, you really, again, you got to ask yourself, will they still like me if they can't control me? But finally, we're at this place where we've identified these toxic relationships and abusive relationships We've talked about how we can set boundaries and how we can get out of these healthy relationships. But I think we need to talk about how we can forgive people when there's no closure or apology. I would say that this is probably one of the top things that I get messaged about. Like, oh, have you forgiven this person? Because sometimes we do speak on it and it may seem like there has not been forgiveness, but I can, you know, settle it here that there definitely has. When I was in the midst of it, I almost thought I will never ever be able to forgive these people who have wronged me but I had to kind of flip it around and I actually read Lisa Turker's book called forgiving what you can't forget and I mean you guys she went off on that book like I love it so much and she talks about in there about having the opportunity to forgive and that's so true and not to just forgive because I will have you know mental clarity and emotional clarity and it will help me but it actually one is what we should do and what God calls us to do because we need to forgive others the way that we've been forgiven. I kind of just tried to flip it and think, 
how can I have compassion for this person? But I think the main reason I probably get messaged about it is because there's this misconception that forgiveness has to go hand in hand with an apology. And I think that I can forgive somebody and still have healing to do myself. I just need to have the willingness to forgive that person. Wow, that that is that is good. Sometimes when I get called out, I would think, ooh, am I, do I have forgiveness in my heart? Do I feel completely that I have let go of this situation. And I don't think it's something I'm ever going to let go of. I mean, this is trauma from I'm talking about literally since my first memories of being manipulated and until my adult life. So it's not something that it's just like, I'm going to wipe my hands clean up because I've forgiven this person. No, because that trauma will be triggered. I mean, I'm sure years and years from now, I'll remember things that I went through when I was a child or as an adult, and it's going to bring those feelings back up. But that does not mean that I have not forgiven that person. That just means I have healing to do myself. And that has nothing to do with the other person. That's just something that has happened to me. And now I have to deal with that and I have to be healed. And typically you're not going to gain healing from the same person that has abused you. So I'm not asking for forgiveness or telling this person, hey, I'm only going to forgive you if you apologize to me. No, I'm going to forgive you and let that go and give it to God so that I can work on my own healing and God can now practice healing me. Right. You're not going to wait for an apology that may never come. Exactly. Especially if you're dealing with a toxic person. I mean, we said the differences between someone who has toxic behaviors is they can recognize, you know, when they're wrong, but a toxic person resents the truth. They're never trying to apologize. They're probably never going to. And it it need to be an act of God literally regenerating them and saving them from that sin of pride and never wanting to be wrong. That would take for them to finally apologize. I know personally in my life, I've been into it with people close to me and I mean, I was right and they were wrong. You know, they had, they had wronged and sinned against me and I let them know that. And the initial reaction was this crazy blow up. I mean, it was, it was really hard. I remember I I was in the kitchen, I was crying uh, and you were right there and you're just probably looking at me just crying hysterically, like what's wrong. And I'm just like, what's wrong is this situation is wrong. What's wrong is the situation is unfair. And I told this person that it was unfair and they didn't have the reaction that I expected. I expected them to have the reaction where they wanted to reconcile. But what they actually did was double down in their position and they let their pride get a hold of them. So over the next, you know, following weeks, I wasn't speaking to this person. I had to walk away. I had to distance myself because they had hurt me. They, they had sinned against me and they weren't going to apologize. Now, in the meantime, to your point, I had to learn how to forgive this person. And you know what happened? I remember I was outside of a wing stop and I got a call from this person and they apologized. And I thought that that apology was what I was going to need. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt so weird to me at that time that that apology just didn't land. I was like, it's, it's so weird that this isn't doing anything for me. I think I actually told the person, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but I didn't need that. Yeah. Like I just didn't need that from them because I had forgiven them and I was okay with how the situation was. But I think that what, what God does with people like that, people that have these toxic behaviors and people that sin against other people is he begins working in their heart, mm-hmm. especially if they're saved. They start to get that conviction. When we try and force people to do things that they're not ready to do, we can rob them of that sanctification process mm-hmm. that God has taken them through. We can rob them of that learning experience that they need. Now, I don't know what that person was feeling over that couple of weeks that we weren't speaking, but it must have been enough to compel them to finally call me and resolve the situation that they had started. Now, for me, on the other hand, like I said, it wasn't that big of a deal. 
But for that person, I've seen them changed Mm -hmm. from that conversation. And I can kind of relate to that too, where I didn't get an apology until two years later, but even that apology really did not suffice. If that's what I was really looking for, that apology would not have sufficed because it didn't even cover all the bases and all the wrongdoings that I had made a mental note of and things that they had done to me. And I remember getting that apology and one being shocked, but also thinking, wow, I mean, I actually didn't even, I didn't even need that. I feel like it did more for the other person than it did for me. And I think that when I did get that apology, I already felt so much more restful and I already felt healed because since I had already participated in forgiveness years before, years prior, before I even got an apology, forgiveness just couples in with healing. And when you're healing, you just have so much rest and you just have so much peace over that. Before I even got that apology, since I had already participated in forgiving the other person and working on the areas that I felt hurt in, it allowed me to have so much more compassion for the other person, not to just kind of water down what they had done because abuse is sinful, manipulation is sinful, but it allowed me to just, you know, have so much more compassion for them and understand where they're coming from, or at least try to have an understanding, which I just feel like also makes forgiveness so much easier. But as far as compassion, and forgiveness and healing and rest. I feel like we cannot talk about forgiveness without um, sharing some of God's truth. And so Romans 12, 9 says, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight, repay no one's evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I mean, does any more need to be said? Like that is literal mic drop. That's the mic drop right there. I just feel like this is something I'm so passionate about because I mean, I think that people obviously know a lot about our past in these kind of toxic relationships or unhealthy relationships. I really haven't had an opportunity to speak about it long term and the things I've actually learned about toxic and abusive and unhealthy relationships and kind of just share my story. So I feel like a great relief, honestly. You should. You you did that. I mean, I just learned so much from you. Um, I was not expecting to just be sitting here and listening, but I think what you shared was profound. And I think yeah. that it will really cause a lot of breakthroughs in people's lives because sometimes these chains can be invisible mm-hmm. and gaslighting can be so strong that people really think that they're going crazy. Yeah. And some people are so stunted in their growth that they can't recognize that they're being manipulated. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a situation for us. I'm just thankful that you were able to open up and share and be vulnerable in this podcast episode. If you guys really enjoyed this episode and you find that you know you really are having these breakthrough aha moments through this podcast, you will love the book that we wrote because the book that we wrote actually goes into more depth than we can ever do on this podcast. I mean, we talk about all the time. We do YouTube, so we get to show people our life and we get to live authentically. But then we get to do this podcast where we can actually be vulnerable in more long form content. 
But let me tell you, there is nothing like reading the words that Kyra and I sat and wrote and the, and the prayers that went into that, us tearing in prayer and finally opening up and being able to share these very vulnerable moments. I mean, this is something about being an author. I, I can hide stories within a book that I just feel like people will never read because most people don't read. I know that God will lead the right people to this book and they'll read some of these stories that we really were reluctant to share mm-hmm. because of the, the contents in them. But if you feel like you're that person that's being led to maybe go deeper with us and our brand and the, the mission and the goals that we have, I would say that you should start with our book, This Kind of Love. Our book comes out on July 13th, 2021. Definitely pick up a copy. If you're listening to this after July 13th, 2021, then you can buy it wherever. But if you're listening to it before, then we would appreciate it if you pre-ordered it. Next week's show, we'll be doing kind of a part two to some of these topics and themes that we talked about in this episode. We'll be talking about how to resolve conflict in young marriage. Now, I think that I'm saying young marriage, but it'll also be applicable to uh, people that are in these new dating relationships, or maybe you're being engaged. Some of you guys who've been to marriage counseling or you haven't, I'm sure you guys are going to absolutely love this episode. Kyra and I open up about some of the things that we've experienced in our young marriage, some of the conflicts that we've had and how we've been able to resolve them. So you're not going to want to miss it. Before you guys leave, please, please subscribe to our podcast. We really do appreciate it. Also leave a five-star rating and review this podcast. Let us know what you guys thought of today's episode. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, you guys. And as we always say, let's Let's keep keep growing growing together. together.